Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Andy Allen, the president of the North Carolina Retail Merchants Association. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Andy, that you have some 25,000 stores across the country. How many members do you have? Because a number of those stores, of course, obviously have multiple locations. So how many members do you have? We have approximately 2,500. That's gone up, you know, over the last couple of years. We're probably close to that, you know, 2,650 right now. When we, we usually do that right after the first of the year and do a calculation, but about approximately 2,500 stores located. I mean, store members with the 25,000 store location. And of course, the types of retail stores are apparel, furniture, book, carpet, uh, department stores, drug stores, electronics, floral, furniture, grocery, hardware, jewelry, paint, variety. I've just named a few of those, but that's basically the, the retail categories that I suspect most of your members engage in. Let's talk a little bit about the supply chain, because that's also been a problem of the, the COVID quarantine and uh, we know that uh, the supply chain, especially from China, has been interrupted uh, due to COVID in that country. Is the supply chain situation getting better? The supply chain, it, it is getting better. Uh, you know, we went through a lot of rough patches there for a while. Um, and things that, that people, you, you know, use, for instance, depended on computer chips. And, you know, those were a thing. And you mentioned issues in China. We were behind and you're seeing, you know, the United States invest more in computer chip manufacturing, but so many things run on those. But, you know, missing that one part, a lot of times, uh, if you were assembling in a wash machine or other things, missing the one part meant you couldn't put that item, finish it up and put it on the truck. And we've seen, a, you know, most things level back out. We also had issues supply chain wise with the price of containers and getting container ships from Asia and 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 in and, and South America and other places that we just couldn't get the ships here with the containers and get them off you know the boat and get them loaded onto the rail to get them to us and so uh it wasn't just the manufacturing side of it it was the whole logistics side of it then you throw in and I mentioned earlier a huge uh shortage of commercial drivers uh, of getting those items from the rail spur to the distribution center and then from the distribution center to your retail shelf. And so all of those things got disrupted for various reasons. I think, again, some of those things are starting to smooth out a little bit. Um, we're still seeing some issues with certain, you know, commodities and those sort of things. But for the most part, I think everything's leveled out. I mean, we are at, we as a society, you know, expect to go to the grocery store and see 50 varieties of ketchup. And, you know, when the one that you love is out, everything is, is, is the, the world has gone to an end where, where there's still another bottle of ketchup there. And so we're, we're a very lucky society in that. Um, but we move through that a lot of that. And I, and I hopefully, you know, it's a, a situation that the supply chain is, is issues are, are getting behind us. You mentioned earlier generic products or store brands. Um what percentage of the business is, is is that a percentage of business that's increasing where people are buying store brands and generics instead of name brand products or is that stabilized um i think that is increasing again because of of the cost of of food and the cost in, in grocery the inflation that we solve you know, from the input products and, and those sort of things. And I think for some consumers, it depends on what the item is. I mean, if it's a, a box of pasta, sometimes they're much more comfortable about buying that than they may be about buying a generic milk, for instance, or something like that. So some of it depends on, on what the product may be. I think the other thing that, that we're going to see, and, and this is sort of something that a lot of folks aren't aware of, um, we have had because of COVID and the national emergency, 
supplemental food stamp or supplemental SNAP benefits throughout all 50 states that are getting ready to end um, next month. And I think in, in rural rural North Carolina and, and in, in a lot of areas with low income consumers, you know, they've had supplemental SNAP benefits on top of their normal benefits because of COVID that are getting ready to go away. And so I think you have a lot of retailers trying to figure out how do you manage that consumers may trade down more because to make their SNAP benefit dollars go farther going forward. So you may see even an increase um, over the next few months of those products just because of the price differential between a generic product and a brand product. Well, the computer has changed retailing to a large degree because now uh, everyone has the resources of, I guess, what we call big data where the, the retailers know more about consumers than they've ever known before. Uh, on the whole, has that changed anything or, or were, are we still looking for how to use that big data to not only the benefit of the retailer, but also the customer? Very much so. I mean, that that is uh, the use of data, no matter what industry you're in, whether that's Major League Baseball or it's uh, retail or whatever it may be, people are using data for all sorts of things. Um, but it also helps you serve your customer better. It helps you serve, helps you figure out what to put on your shelf. I've got an independent retailer, uh, grocery retailer, who through his data realized that his uh, percentage of Hispanic products were increasing dramatically because of the population change in where one of his stores was. And so he revamped, you know, part of his his shopping aisle and increased the number of Hispanic uh, products, you know, food products in that store solely because of his customer base, you know, and, and, that, and what they were buying. He has another store that he didn't increase as much because it was a different population demographic. And so I think it, it enables the retailer to better serve their, their customer when they understand better who their customer is and what their customer may be buying or not buying. Um, you know, you see items get pulled off the shelf all the time. And part of the reason is because they're not selling. And so, um, but it, it enables you to, to look at that much deeper. And in, again, in some stores, and I, the same item, same retailer, when I, it flies off the shelf in one place and doesn't move at all in a different place. And so that allows us to better serve the consumer, to, to know more about your consumer. One of the things I've noticed about social media uh, is uh, uh, it depends on who's using the computer. Uh, my daughter was over at my house and ordered some makeup on my computer. And now I'm getting all these social media advertisements trying to sell me women's makeup. Right. D data so analytics. Sometimes it kind of back, backfires a little bit. Yes. Data analytics. Uh, you know, it's but but it, again, those are things that it enables a cons a retailer to to better hone in on their consumer and and maybe they send you, uh, you know, not you, but maybe they send your daughter when she buys a, a coupon for for the the makeup she buys, you know, or here's the yeah. special on this on this item. You see that a lot in the grocery space. I've been told by people who are in the coupon business that the return on coupons is really much smaller than people would think. Wonder what it is about coupons that don't don't uh, make that a much bigger category. Because the person that was talking to me said, you know, if all the coupons were exchanged, some of the big companies would probably go under. <laughs> well, and I th I think you've seen the coupon business change dramatically when it went digital. I mean, where people are not physically cutting one out of the paper anymore and taking it physically to the retailer, and now you can load it on your various loyalty card, and you know, and it's a coupon that's there. 
So if you you don't if you forget it when you go to your you know you go to your retailer and, and you put your number in, it's there for you to use automatically. Uh, I think they made it much easier than than that. And and you know you see you get targeted emails from retailers. Uh, they can change they can check the open rate and see what's moving customers to bring foot traffic to their store and utilize that coupon or not. So again, I think that computer ability has has really allowed the retailer to better serve their customer, provide them you know the value that they're looking for. One of the things that the uh, sports teams are doing now is they're ticketing by computer. And uh, people my age feel very uncertain about it. And so they're basically printing theirs out. <laughs> uh, I certainly do. But my daughter feels very comfortable with it. And, of course, there are some advantages because you can transfer the tickets much easier if you have a friend meeting you at a game or something of this nature. Well, well Don, my uh, problem with that is when I go to the game and there's 50,000 people there, the Wi-Fi doesn't work very well, and I'm standing there trying to get them my ticket, and it's spinning. Um, so yeah. note to Carter-Finley Stadium, improve the Wi-Fi. Well, it, I, I think there's still a lot of problems with it, but uh, they, they seem to work it out. But I feel very uncertain. I I, I want to hold something in my hand. The same <laughs> way with airline tickets. and. Uh, uh, I agree. I just, uh, I guess I'm old school and, and having difficulty getting out of that. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, right now about uh, theft or shoplifting because this is a major cost to a retailer and it basically it runs the cost up for uh, the, the honest customer because somebody has to pay for it. Right. Uh, is uh, any new uh, ways of detecting shoplifting that uh, is cutting down on that uh, that problem well you know the the shoplifting has changed so much when i started in this in this with the retail merchants association 25 years ago everybody viewed shoplifting as a crime against property and not as a crime against people and that has that mindset has changed dramatically i mean unfortunately you saw the 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 gentleman from Home Depot in Hillsborough who was killed in a shoplifting incident where he got pushed down and hit his head and passed away. And, you know, you've had organized retail gangs in Charlotte area busted with $400,000 plus of merchandise. And uh, you had the, the lady, you know, the one of our members over in Cary who had her store busted into and, you know, handbags stolen. Those that organized is crime is now being focused on as a crime against people because it's also tied to human trafficking or opioids and those sort of things. I will say North Carolina passed what most are considering to be the strongest piece of anti-shoplifting legislation in the country last year uh, with a bipartisan uh, effort with with good, strong support across the board unanimously from Republicans and Democrats. who, who looked at this and said, this is a real societal problem. And they dramatically increased the penalties for, for these organized retail crime rings. They increased the penalties if you assault a retail employee while committing a, a, a shoplifting, or if you destroy property, you smash the jewelry counter. They, uh, they also gave the ability to seize items used in these shoplifting cases, seize the car, seize the the, the vehicles sees other things. So North Carolina, I think, has really responded to that. There was a big bus recently in the Kings Mountain area, and Homeland Security, who was very in, engaged in, in organized retail shoplifting, pointed to this law and said, more states need to do this because this is going to keep this from happening in our state and push them to other places. And so we're really encouraged by, again, the bipartisan support we got from, from the legislature. We're looking at additional ways that we can attack that this issue. We, we have a group 
that is a partnership, private public partnership between law enforcement, district attorneys, and retail and retail loss prevention employees called the Carolina Organized Retail Crime Alliance that we we have housed in our office. And uh, they do an amazing job of working together to fight these organized retail crime rings. Because as you mentioned, that all gets passed along to the customer. Those are, you know, those things that walk out the door for free, uh, we all pay for it. And so uh, it's very important that we continue to, to, to work on that issue. Of course, uh, for years, people have had uh, security cameras, and that I guess that's cut down some. But uh, some of these schemes of uh, shoplifting, uh, by, especially by organized criminals, it, are very clever. I mean, they, they're, they're using their wits. Yeah, they switch barcodes or they do return theft, you know, with things. But I also want to caution people when you see, you know, uh, these items, power tools or things or over the counter medication or Tide Pods or, you know, infant formula on a Facebook marketplace or an eBay or those sort of things. And the price is too good to be true. It's probably because it's stolen. And in some of those cases, the over the counter medication or the infant formula, if they're not stored properly, they don't carry the same nutritional value if it's a infant formula or the same medicinal value if it's medicine. So be careful what you're buying, both those items and counterfeit items. Uh, but I would really caution people to, to, you know, buyer beware. If the deal looks too good to be true, it's probably because it's stolen. If the guy's got 50, uh, you know, chainsaws that he's trying to unload, he probably didn't get one, you know, 50 of them for Christmas and now wants to get rid of them. So just be careful with what you're buying. Well, the old adage, uh, if it looks to be too good to be true, it probably is. It and, probably and, uh, is. Very sound advice and something people should listen to very carefully uh, because, as you said, these things just don't happen uh, uh, except on very rare occasions. Our guest is Andy Allen. He's the president of the North Carolina Retail Merchants Association. We have one final segment coming up, and uh, during that time, we're going to talk about challenges and legislation that might affect retailers, and we'll do that when we return right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is a 1992 graduate of Elon University, who also has a law degree from the Wiggins School of Law at Campbell University. And he has been with the Retail Merchants Association for I don't know how many years. He can tell us in just a minute. And that would be Andy Allen, who's the president of this organization that has some 2,500 members representing some 25,000 stores across the state of North Carolina in the retail area. Uh, Andy, how now exactly how long have you been with the association? So I, I in May will be 25 years. Uh, some people just can't keep a job. <laughs> they keep so coming, they keep uh, bringing me back. So it's uh, we 25 years. It's been a great, it's been a great experience. Well, you've seen a lot of change. What do you, what do you think is the biggest change you've seen in retailing in that 25 year period of time? That may be an unfair question, and I'll give you just a second to think about it. I think the advent of e-commerce, I think, you know, if you would have told me 25 years ago that you could order something and it might be on your porch in an hour, I would have told you there's no way. Um, to me, that's the the speed and the and the the uh, of retail that has changed in the last 25 years yeah. and the morphing together then of the e-commerce and yeah. the brick and mortar has, has been a dramatic change. Yeah. You know, we've talked about e-commerce and we've talked about, we have not talked about direct mail catalogs as a competitor to retail, uh, retailers or, or, uh, we haven't talked about that. Maybe we should and, and we'll do that on another occasion. But right now we want to talk about, uh, tax reform and any legislation that affects retailers that is likely to come up in the next session of the General Assembly, which is coming up right around the corner. And, uh, also, any federal legislation that is uh, likely to affect retailers and therefore affect consumers. Um, you know, we're looking forward to this legislative session that starts on January the 25th. They just had the swearing in and, and organizational session, you know, last week. And uh, we're really excited for to, to work with folks on both sides of the aisle. Um, as far as tax reform goes, you know, we've been a, a major voice in in the as the legislature has changed the 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 way you know things are taxed we've seen a dramatic increase in corporate income tax which has made it better or easier for north carolina to recruit companies in here and create jobs uh as well as the franchise tax being lowered and those sort of things one of the items we're looking really hard at is is it's sort of intricate but is um retailers collect and remit sales tax to the state every year we're the, probably the largest tax collector and we do that for free uh, there's no remuneration for that and no compensation for it, but we're also paying credit card fees on the sales tax that we're collecting. Last year, the estimate was retailers and restaurants and hotels and people that collect sales tax paid, I think it was $166 million in North Carolina to credit card companies on that 7.5%, 7.25%. So you were collecting it for free and giving it to the state, and now you're also having to pay to do it, basically. Um, you know, that the number of credit card transactions went up dramatically during COVID and made it a much bigger deal. So that's one of the items we're looking at very hard. Um, on the, in the alcohol space, we, we've had an issue on, uh, what's called split case fees that some wine wholesalers are charging retailers. And I think that's going to be an issue that's going to bubble to the top. We've had a lot of conversations with the ABC commission, but what that's, what's happening with that is, it's reducing the, the variety of wine you're seeing on store shelves and increasing the price point of it uh, because of what some of the fees that the, the wine wholesalers are charging. 
And then a really interesting one, I think, that, that consumers, I hope, will get around is um, in a lot of states, even control states for alcohol, like Virginia, they allow retailers there, grocery stores and others, to sell a product like a High Noon, which is a low-alcohol uh, seltzer-type product, but it's made with spirits. So it's made with vodka or gin or those sort of things, but it's less alcohol content than a glass of wine or a uh, craft beer and some of those items. And so we have been working to try and see if we can sort of move through and get those items where they're more easily accessible to consumers um, and, and to restaurants and to other places. Because right now, because of North Carolina's stance, we're seeing very little of the variety of product that you're seeing in South Carolina, Virginia, and other states that are allowing retailers uh, to sell that product at the grocery store level. And so that's one that we're also focusing on. Um, and then I think we, we continuously focus on things that 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 affect the bottom line. I mean, things like unemployment insurance, workers' compensation insurance, tort reform, those sort of things are, are big ticket items for us. In the healthcare space, we do a lot of work in the pharmacy world um, about making sure that, you know, they're the most accessible healthcare provider you had. Most people got their COVID vaccine and their flu vaccine, and they got their COVID test and their flu test and those sort of things at the pharmacy level because of a federal law that will be going away soon. So we want to work on trying to make sure that after three years of being able to go to the pharmacist to get your vaccine, that you're still able to go be able to do that. Many of the things that retail merchants are in favor of are also very good for the consumer. There are many times, I guess, when there's legislation that there's sometimes there's a winner and sometimes there's a loser. But in the particular case that you're talking about with retailers, usually most of the changes benefit the consumer as well as the retailer. That's an interesting situation because that allows you to get support from both sides of the aisle in, in a, uh, uh, a much more effective way. Well, and I, and I think, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a legislator and I'll say, we, have, we, we need to talk with you about this piece of legislation. And they'll say, I don't understand. Why do you care? And we will say, because this and this and here's why. And we touch the consumer. We're the front line of that. And then by the end of the conversation, they're like, now I understand why you really care. Because, again, you, you are the front line. You're the messenger in, in these situations to talk with the consumer. And whether that's something, you know, dealing with a pharmacist talking with a patient or whether that's the cashier uh, or how you buy items in the store, um, you know, those are important relationships. And so, um, as you said, those are items that cross both party lines. So very similar to the organized retail crime and the shoplifting issue. Those are issues that you know, are important for the consumer because otherwise it raises the prices or consumers get items that are counterfeit or have not been properly stored. And we lose sales tax on those items that are stolen that, you know, it doesn't go into the coffers to pay for schools and roads and things like that. You know, I asked you earlier what some of the biggest changes you've seen in your period with the Retail Merchants Association, and you mentioned e-commerce. Uh, you know, if you're as old as I am, you go back to the 50s and we had blue laws in North Carolina and retailing just was practically non-existent on Sundays. Uh, that uh, that I was trying to explain that to my grandchildren not so long ago. And they said, you mean stores weren't open on Sunday? And of course, that uh, um, was one of the things that uh, was really prevalent, especially in North Carolina. You also had a trend back in the 50s where entire retail uh, sections would close up on Wednesday afternoon. 
everybody yeah. closed up. Well, so there have been a lot of changes through the years. Yeah, and you know the, um, the, the Sunday oh, yeah. that you the Sunday that you mentioned, you know, most recently the issue was the earlier Sunday sales of alcohol. You know, could you sell yeah. alcohol on Sunday at 10 a.m.? And it started out as a on-premise brunch bill, but what we worked through with a lot of legislators was it was also the most prevalent shopping day at the grocery store because people were buying their groceries for their kids' lunches for the next week or they're buying their meals for their week. And sometimes we're having to make two trips because they went in early Sunday morning and bought their items and they wanted a bottle of wine to go with their dinner one of the nights and they had to come back to the store. And so, but but that was the most recent sort of feeling around the blue laws was every other day of the week you could buy alcohol at 7 a.m. except Sunday, it was at noon. Interesting, interesting. Lots of changes, and and of course, uh, people's attitudes towards those changes uh, also come into play, and people become more and more uh, liberal in their thinking as far as what's right and what's wrong, and uh, that's uh, just something that happens year by year and day by day with different families and so forth. Uh, so you mentioned uh, uh, tax reform as being one of the things. Any other legislation, especially on the federal level, uh, Prescription prices, of course, always seem to be a concern uh, with uh, people who uh, are dependent on prescription drugs, especially maintenance drugs uh, like insulin and so forth. Any Anything happening there that uh, could control that uh, price a little bit better? Because well, yeah. insulin is an old, old drug. It's been around forever, and yet the price keeps going up. Right. And I think you've got, you know, you had some legislation federally last go around to try and cap the price on that. Um, you know, th that's sort of a, an interesting dynamic in that you have a manufacturer of a drug and in the United States, they get a lot more patent protection than they may get in negotiation than they get elsewhere. Then you throw in in the middle a, a health insurer and then the, the patient at the end. You know, I think, you know, the question I think in North federally and in North Carolina, is, do you see some, you know, reform in the Medicare for the for the elderly and the Medicaid for the for the for the the lower income folks of of how does that work out for people and uh, getting people sort of out of the donut hole of of who do not have coverage I think is a bigger issue I think for and for retailers too the other thing we always hear and for a lot of folks is the price of health insurance you know how do we get that lowered how, what can we do on a state level or a federal level to to try and reduce the cost of health care. Well, one of the issues that the General Assembly is probably going to face early on is the extension or expansion of Medicaid. And uh, they, there seems to be a consensus, especially among, among the leadership now, that that is a good thing, whereas North Carolina has been slow to, to get into it. I think the leadership certainly is not going to push it. Uh, how will that affect retailing? Well, on the retail side, you know, we have a lot of employees that sort of fall on that gap that they, 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 they're they a working poor. They do not make quite enough money to to uh, they make too much money to qualify for Medicaid currently, but they can't necessarily afford health insurance because of the price point of it and not being able to keep the price point of private health insurance low. So there may be some opportunity, especially in rural North Carolina, to have more of our employees um, employed or covered through through Medicaid. I think the other thing you know that you're seeing is in these conversations whether you have a a work requirement, which is certainly something you know that that the leadership and the governor are looking at. But then on the, the other healthcare side of it, I mentioned we represent pharmacies. Um, you have a lot of people that, you know, that are choosing between their medication and putting food on the table or paying their power bill. So you would have 
the pharmacists in the state would be you know dispensing more prescriptions in the Medicaid program than they currently are doing right now. You know, we've been encouraging legislators again to continue to have those you know constructive conversations to see where they can get to on on, the, on this issue. It's obviously probably the issue that's going to dominate the session at the beginning of the year. We've got a, a, a very we got about thirty seconds for you to tell people how they can find out more about the uh, North Carolina Retail Merchants Association. What's your web address? So our web address is www.n as in Nancy, C as in Carolina, R as in R Ralph, M as in Mary, A as in Andy.org. So ncrma.org. Um, find us there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all over you know social media. But I would say, you know, we, we've got a, we are very lucky in North Carolina. We have a very strong retail community that's the fabric of so many, com so many communities that we all live in. And go out and support your local brick and mortar retailer is my main message. Andy, thank you very much for uh, a, a great program with a lot of good information. And we will look forward to being back with our listeners. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. Our program has been produced by Jason Kahn. As I said, he'll have another guest for us next week. So until next week, same time, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.